Chapter Eight of Balloons. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jacqueline Bankfort. Balloons by Elizabeth Babesco. Chapter Eight. Tea Time. To Sylvester Gates. She lay on a sofa covered with white marabou, her head sunk deep into a billowy morass of lace-colored satin and lace-colored lace. She could see her pointed toes emerging, and her arm dangling over the edge as if she had forgotten it. On her finger was a huge emerald ring, a splotch of creme de menthe spilt on the whiteness of her hand. She felt entrenched and anchored in an altogether strong position, so fixed that all advances would have to be made to her. This gave to her voice and to her gestures an indolent, melodious security. As the door opened, she turned her eyes round slowly, suppressing all eagerness. Mortimer! She wondered if disappointment could be as easily controlled as joy. How nice of you to come and see me! Are you glad, really? He was kissing her hand with an unnecessary mixture of shyness and intensity. How intolerably literal people in love are, she thought petulantly, always forcing significance into everything. Of course, she said, smiling lazily. It is good of you to let me come like this. How she hated his humility, but— I like you too, she murmured, automatically kind. How lovely you look, lovelier than ever before, as lovely as ever before. And then, I love you. Do you think so? She seemed amused and skeptical. Do you doubt it? He clutched her wrist. Not if you put it like that. You are laughing at me, he recognized sadly. Forgive me. She put her hand on his, lightly, caressingly, her voice gentle and tender. But you do know it, don't you? He was very insistent. "'Does he think that I am blind and deaf "'and that no one has ever loved me before?' "'She wondered irritably. "'I think you think so,' she prevaricated. "'I know,' he was firm. "'I shall love you always.' "'Nonsense!' she was tart with realism. "'Why do you fly in the face of all experience "'with meaningless generalizations?' "'I have never said it before.' "'Then how can you know?' He hated her barrister mood. "'Elaine, aren't you glad I love you?' "'Of course.' She closed her eyes wearily. They talked of other things, and she remembered how intelligent he was. It had been, during these last months, very easy to forget. But though her interest was concentrated, his attention was on other things. "'Elaine,' he blurted, "'are you going to the country tomorrow?' "'I don't know.' "'When will you know?' I have no idea. But when shall I see you again? I can't tell. Elaine, please do put me out of my misery. Very well, then. I shan't see you again this week. Elaine. Yes. Please. Please what? I am sorry I bothered you. Don't punish me. I promise not to ask any more questions, but please let me know when you come back. Even if you only ring me up on the telephone, I shall have heard your voice. Very well. You're not angry with me, are you? Why should I be? I thought perhaps you were. There was a pause. 
is there anything amusing about being loved she thought what patient women the great coquettes of the world must have been how i wish i were a crisp intelligent old maid with a talent perhaps for gardening or books on the renaissance how tired you look he had taken her hand and was pressing it with funny little jerky grasps i wish you belonged to me i wouldn't let you spend yourself on every tom dick and harry it is so difficult to know she murmured who is tom who is dick or who is harry when i think of the way your divine sympathy is imposed upon the way your friends take advantage of you but i like being taken advantage of people's selfishness makes me sick look at your white face and your drooping eyelids and your tired little smiles i'm sorry sorry good god my beloved do take care of yourself please promise me not to see any one after i leave go to bed and pull the blinds but i'm expecting bill bill will be all the better for not getting what he wants for once but supposing he doesn't want it i don't understand the door opened bill she put out her left hand all her features lit up with a quiet luminous radiance his eyes were smiling but his mouth was grave elaine he said it as if it were a very significant remark and though he hadn't meant to he caressed her name with his voice mortimer thinks i ought to go to bed and send you away but you won't probably not she was bubbling over with gaiety i am very weak-minded the two men were not looking at one another but currents of hostility flowed between them bill had not fought for elaine's love it had come to him with a strange inevitability he had no fear of losing it and no particular desire to keep it but the thought that you possess something that someone else passionately covets is always exhilarating he would never have admitted it he could never have admitted it but she was to him like an object dangled on a watch-chain not obtrusively displayed but a possession recognized by everybody and taken for granted by him only he never seemed bored because he was never tired of mobilizing his own charms and in herself she delighted him it was only in her relations with him that she got on his nerves he loved to see her with other men exercising the divine arts of her irresistibility her every smile her every gesture the intonations of her voice the turn of her head her bubbling brilliance her cool indifference the ice of her intellect the glow of her sympathy each contributing to the masterpiece of her coquetry but with him she was not even a coquette jerky passionate nervous humble exacting dull she tired him to death well i must be going mortimer spoke doubtfully there was a pause then elaine pulled herself together why i have so much to do it was so nice of you to come and see me it was so nice of you to let me come please remember your promise to let me know when you come back of course he was gone wearily she shut her eyes do you remember a time when mortimer was charming indeed i do he was quite delightful till he fell in love with you he is really a warning against loving you hardly heed it do you her voice was very bitter how he hated the entry of the acidulated tragic into all their talks perhaps not he felt guilty knowing how much he was hurting her after all you cannot ask me to model myself on the man who bores you most in the world she smiled what a good reason for not loving me 
The best, he was smiling his enchanting, flattering smile at her, the smile that always seemed to draw you into the holy of holies of his confidence. I may be going away tomorrow, she said. May you? But I shall be back on Thursday. Shall we dine together that night? I am dining with a Russian friend of mine who is passing through London. Friday, then? Friday I am going to the country for the weekend. Then it will have to be Monday. Yes, I am afraid so. Afraid that you will have to dine with me? How civil you are. There was a pause. She wished she could keep all the acid out of her voice. He thought how tiresome women were, always wanting to know just what you were going to do. Bill, she said, holding out her hand, which he took rather perfunctorily. He felt like a dog that knows exactly which trick follows what word of command, but as, from force of habit, he invariably became lover-like when he was absent-minded, he stroked her arm with a significant, caressing gesture that filled her with joy. "'Are you glad I love you?' she murmured. "'Of course.' "'There is an intelligent woman,' he thought, "'who has had hundreds of men in love with her, "'making a demand for verbal assurances "'that can't possibly add anything to her peace of mind. "'Either they are true and superfluous, "'or they are false and transparently unconvincing.' "'Bill,' she said, reading his thoughts, "'you can't understand my wanting mere words, can you?' No, he said, not you, who know so exactly what they mean. Nevertheless, they are sometimes vaguely comforting and reassuring, a sort of local anesthetic. He loved her insight, her curious layers of detachment. Bill, she murmured, I haven't seen you for ages. Not since two this morning. Oh, I don't count a ball. Besides, I was too tired to stop dancing. You danced like an angel, and your eyes were shining with ecstasy, lighting hopes all round, though of course I knew you didn't know your partner from the parquet, if he happened to be as good as the floor. You love watching me, don't you? Much better than seeing me. How he wished she weren't always right. Remember what a wonderful drama you are, Elaine. A drama in which you have played lead, but you only liked the first act, the comedy act and you won't even enjoy the curtain as much as you think because always there will be the nasty certainty of it some day going up again and then you won't even be in the wings how diabolically clear-sighted she was bill dearest she held out her hand you are reaching the moment when you long to be the third person you want a little rest you've come to the point in the life of every lover when he prefers the husband to the wife but this was more than he could stand a horrible shadow was being cast over his future. Romance was shrinking before his eyes. Frightened, he bent down and kissed her. Darling, he murmured, nestling his face in her neck, what nonsense you talk. Love, passion, romance, fidelity, all were vindicated by this deliberate act. Her doubts, her certainties subsided, vanished. Hypnotized with happiness. I was teasing, she lied. I must go, he said. No. Yes. Not just this moment, please. Five more minutes. It will be just as difficult then. But I shall have had five more minutes. How practical you are. He stayed. I will write to you. Do. And I shall try and be back in time for tea Thursday. Then I shall see you, in spite of your stupid Russian. If I can get away. Can't you bring him to dine with me? I'm afraid not. He has asked someone else. Shall I have some forms printed with? 
I miss you, bless you, for you to sign and send me each day. Goose. Well, at any rate, I shall have you properly on Monday. Yes. And please make a great effort about Thursday. Yes. She drew him down to her, holding his face in her hands. It is silly to love at my time of life, she said. I am too young. It is like wearing a lovely new dress to climb mountains in. You will always be young, he said. You are eternal. It was his considered view. He wished she weren't. Kissing her a little absently, he walked to the door. Then, because he had always done so, he walked back. Bless you, he said. It was perfunctory and final. The shutting of the door turned out the light in her eyes. How tired I am, she thought, and then, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. End of chapter 8